so I just want to say it's great to uh, be back here with you guys this morning. Some of you don't know this, but I've been on vacation, and I'm back here today. I had somebody say this morning before first service, man, you like you look well-rested. You look like you're happy to be here. Not, not that I'm not at any other, you know, Sunday, given Sunday uh, during the year, but that was great. It was great to be on vacation, and I just want to say uh, that it's great to be able to do that. It's, ba- it's great to be able to leave and come back and, uh, and know that Chip is going to preach a fantastic sermon uh, and be here and take care of that. We have so many volunteers, and Adrian's going to do awesome with the kids and all that kind of stuff, which is fantastic. And then that you guys last week came together and packed over 20,000 meals together. It was just amazing. So it's awesome to see. That's worth celebrating. It's awesome to see the pictures and the video that you're going to see a little bit later in the service about that. Uh, and it was just, just really cool for all of that to happen and for, uh, for me and my family to be able to get some rest, which is really cool. What's crazy is that now we're kind of gearing up and excited for the Advent season, which I know is like one of those things. Thanksgiving hasn't even happened yet. And I'm, that, I'm one of those people. Hey, can we just get through Thanksgiving before we start talking about Christmas? I mean, the day after Halloween is when I saw my first Christmas commercial. And to me, that's just crazy. It's crazy town. I love Christmas after Thanksgiving. I think it's great. That's fine. So how many of you are looking forward to your Thanksgiving plans that are coming up this week? All right. Yeah. Food. Here we go. All right. How many of you are having to plan or host your Thanksgiving plans this week? Okay. Not quite as excited about that. All right. How many of you have ever planned or hosted Thanksgiving at your house, like you've done that before? All right, I'm, I have done that before, and one of the things I'm thankful for uh, this, this year is that I don't have to do that this week, because it takes a lot of work. There's a lot of planning. I mean, the first thing that you've got to do is you've got to determine the menu, because the food is the most important thing. Like, it doesn't matter if people come. You just got to make sure you have all the right food. And so, like, I'm going to let you know what the right food is to, to have there. And this is not going to be controversial at all, all right? So your main meats, like in order for it to be Thanksgiving, you need to have at least turkey and venison. Like you, you have to, some of you I know, you think it's crazy, but you have to have that. N- mashed potatoes are great, that's fine, as long as there's homemade gravy made from the turkey drippings and all, all that kind of stuff, as long as that's there. You got to have, um, you got to have a can of the fake cranberry sauce. I'm just saying, it's, it doesn't count, and it's not a Thanksgiving meal unless you have that can and you do the, you know, the slurp thing as it comes out of the can. Like, it's got to be that, that kind, not the homemade stuff. It doesn't count. Speaking of which, it's got to be Stouffer stovetop stuffing. That, am I, can I, can I, all right, all right, thank you. So it's got to be that, that's got to be on there. You got to have sweet potato casserole. Um, there's no reason to have pumpkin anything. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, there's a... There's a noticeable, noticeable difference. I think I've lost them. There's a noticeable difference between first service and second service. Um, so, yeah, pumpkin is just, unless it's got a lot of cream cheese. I mean, really, the only reason for pumpkin anything is for it to be a spoon for cream cheese. And that's, that's it. Um, and then for dessert, you have chocolate pie and pecan pie. All right. And then here's the thing. Like, I don't get this trend of combining chocolate and pecan pie uh, together. Like, to me, that just, I don't get that. It's two separate pies, and you have that. And there you go. That's the list, and I know you agree with it because that's the best list. All right, so maybe there are a couple other considerations when you're planning and hosting the party. Some of the people that are coming probably have some dietary restrictions. Maybe you have 
uh, some other family tradition dishes that you know that if they're not there, it's not going to be Thanksgiving. You know, people have their own individual preferences of what's going to come, and you know that you're going to have some family additions throughout the years that bring their own sense of nostalgia and tradition and things that they like to the mix. And then you have to pick a time that works for everybody, works for you if you're hosting, and works for everybody else. And you got to prep your house. Like, you got to make sure you probably have to rearrange furniture to make sure there's room for everyone, change out your driveway or prepare your yard for people to park and more cars being there. And, uh, of course, you have to spend some extra money on your grocery shopping trip, you know, because you've got to prepare for this huge Thanksgiving meal. Like many people, you probably have to mentally prepare yourself to be in close proximity uh, with people who you both have great affection for and people you tolerate just because they share the same DNA as you. You prepare yourself for the tension of topics like religion and politics being brought up, and you're never quite sure what to expect from that racist uncle. And then, after all of that, you have dishes that you know that you're going to have to clean up and all that kind of stuff. The joy of celebrating Thanksgiving. I know some of you are like, uh, I'm going to Cracker Barrel this year, and that's, that's fine. But the reason for why we get together and do that makes it all worth it, and that's the food, obviously, right? You know, planning out a Sunday morning worship service is a lot like planning out a Thanksgiving meal or any other thing that you might celebrate or a party or a holiday that you have. A lot of us have our own nostalgic memories about how Thanksgiving could and should be. We think about how our grandmothers did it, how they had faith and how they lived that out. We let our childhood experiences influence how we experience church now. We all have opinions on the elements that should make up a church service and how it should be done and what are the foundational fundamental musts for us and what are the things that we'll just simply tolerate. We all uh, know that you agree with my list of what church should be like, right? Because that's not controversial at all. We do everything at Velocity the way I want to and you like it. <laughs> now hopefully you don't think that's true because it's not, not even close to being the case. We don't do stuff here just because it's how Chip and I like to do it, and, and it's all like that. Like, that's not how we plan our worship services. We recognize that there are family members that you make considerations for, and you recognize that there are many individual preferences that are brought in. And over time, you have other family members that join in and bring their own sense of nostalgia and traditions to the mix. Um, as a side note, like, one of the ways that I know that we've had a good service at Velocity is when somebody comes up to me and say, says, man, that was like one of the worst Sundays ever. And then five seconds later, I have somebody come up and sa they say, that was one of the best Sundays we've ever had. That's kind of how I know, like we've, we've kind of hit it. We've kind of hit the, hit the mix there th that we need to. You have to pick times that are gonna be available for as many people as possible. You arrange for space and parking. And of course, you have the financial resources to make all of that happen. And you have to mentally prepare yourself to be in close proximity with people you have great affection for and people that you tolerate because you share the same DNA, right? And you prepare yourself for the tension there will be when topics like politics and religion come up and what your slightly racist uncle might say. And then you know that all those dishes at the end aren't necessarily going to clean themselves. And yet, every Sunday at Velocity, we worship together. 
we come together, and all of that is made worth it because of why we come together and celebrate. And we don't always have that same reason. I don't know why you came here this morning. Some of you have come to Velocity. Some of you, it's your first time. I don't know what your reason was for coming in this morning. Maybe it was something going on in your life. Maybe, um, maybe it's some sort of life change. Maybe you came because we have communion every Sunday. Maybe because Chip is an amazing musician. Maybe because you know you're supposed to hear a sermon. Um, maybe it's because something is going on and you're just searching for an answer for that. What I want you to do is take your program out or maybe send a text to yourself and ask yourself this question. And I want you to kind of ponder it not only just today, and I'm going to give an answer to it right away, so you can tune out the rest of the sermon if you want to. But I just want to ask you, I want you to ask yourself, why did I come to church today? And you ask that of yourself right now and think through that or think through that during this week. Why did I come to church today? And what was it that brought me here? Depending on what you might be going through in your life, gathering together with a group of people on Sunday morning may or may not be high on your priority list. I mean, there's a reason why you didn't decide to just listen to a podcast or go online and watch a church service or something like that. What is it that brought you here today? And I'm going to give you what the answer we should all have in common. Maybe we don't right now if we're honest with that answer, but I'm going to give you the answer that we should have all in common. And that's this. It's very simple. It's very direct. We celebrate and we plan all this out and we do this because God deserves it. Simply because God deserves our worship. He deserves our intentionality in living lives of worship to bring him glory and honor because of who he is. We worship him because he is worthy. We love and adore him and we bow down before him because he is the Lord of lords, the King of kings, He's the mighty God. He's the Lord of everything. He's God with us, Emmanuel. He's the great I am. He's the prince of peace. He's the land of slain for us. He's the living God. He's our saving grace. He reigns forever. He's the ancient of days. He's the Alpha Omega, the beginning and end. He's our Savior, Messiah, Redeemer, and friend. And the reason we gather together to celebrate is because we are struck in awe at the glory of our Creator and our Savior. That's why we celebrate. There's, there's no other reason that is primary or even holds a candle to that. But that's what should and does bring us together because of who God is. And as people, as humans who are created in his image and as Christ followers who are being changed into brand new creations because of what Christ has done for us on the cro cross, we are being remade into a picture of who God is, and we get to celebrate that when we gather together and worship as a community. It's not simply because it's an expectation from God to us, but it's because we have an offering to bring to him because of what he's done. Even back in the Old Testament with the Israelite people, God instituted very specific formal times of worship and celebration for his people. Uh, festivals are a lot of times what those are called if you read back into your Old Testament. And there's, there's one in particular, a couple that are mentioned in Exodus chapter 34, verse 22. Moses 
is actually hanging out with God at this point and chiseling out a second copy of the Ten Commandments because the first copy he used to uh, shatter over an idol that the, the nation of Israel had made while God was talking to him about the first set. And one of the things that God says, one of the commandments and promises that he makes in the midst of that is in Exodus chapter 34, verse 22, and he says this. He says, celebrate the festival of weeks with the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the festival of ingathering at the turn of the year. God set up specific times throughout the life and year of the Israelite nation for them to bring their best towards God. And so when we think about a time of year that we gather together and celebrate like Thanksgiving and it's harvest stuff and we're kind of coming together around food and family and, and, and things like that. It's, it's interesting to me that there's a similar parable, uh, parallel or principle that God establishes for his people in how the whole nation was supposed to think about celebrating God. They were to remind the nation of Israel that God had led them out of slavery from Egypt into the promised land. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 26, starting in verse 1, we get a little bit more of a fleshed out picture of what this looks like. And so I want to read that description uh, to you this morning. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God has given you, and you shall put it in a basket, and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. And we'll skip down a few verses to verse 8. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. And here's the interesting thing to me, and here's the parallel that I think uh, instructs us when it comes to our worship and how we celebrate God, is that this same story that the Israelites went through as a nation, this being in captivity for 400 years, being led out of slavery into a brand new life, into a land that's flowing with milk and honey, that's our same story as Christians. That the God of the universe has led us out of the slavery and death that sin produced in our lives, and brought us into salvation through his son Jesus that has led us into his kingdom, the promised land, the land flowing in milk and honey. And we can't help but prepare for celebration because of that in our life. So when God is talking to the Israelites about bringing their first fruits and preparing for this celebration, this is not something that they can just kind of think about doing Sunday morning, you know, before they get up and come to church. This is something that their whole lives had to be centered around and planned for. They lived in an agrarian society. Their economy was built on agriculture. And I don't know if you've ever tried to grow food before, but it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of, uh, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of intentionality. And so the people of Israel, when God is saying, bring your first fruits and know that this is coming, like they're planning whole seasons ahead of time to make sure that they are able to bring their best to celebrate God for who he is and what he's done. And here's the thing that's crazy to me. I, you know, it's kind of like if somebody would show up at Thanksgiving and maybe they're supposed to bring rolls, okay? So you can tell if somebody has done their best effort when it comes to rolls, all right? It used to be you go to Ucrops and get White House rolls and you're good. Like, you've done your best effort if you've done that. But let's say, like, your best effort is 
Um, maybe you still can get it at the bakery. Can you do Somebody tell me if you can still get White House rolls. Can you? <laughs> Praise Jesus. <laughs> Those and rainbow cookies and their chocolate pie is really good, too. Yeah. All right, so uh, so you know when somebody has done their best effort because they bring, you know, fresh, maybe maybe they're still warm, you know, homemade rolls to the, or, you know, if they stop by 7-Eleven on their way, you know, to get rolls, like you can tell a difference about about that. Um, so the act of preparation and planning intentionally of worship causes us to remember why we're doing it. It's for God and because of what he's done. Now, here's the crazy thing to me, the amazing and unique thing about this. All right, God is the one who deserves all the glory and praise and honor. He, he's, he's the one who deserves all that. Yet, we're the ones who benefit. We're the ones who benefit from our worship to him, which is crazy. It shouldn't be. Like, we don't deserve anything. As broken and sinful people, like, salvation through Jesus, like, that, that should be enough. Like, that's the benefit. That's the only one that matters. And yet, he allows us to benefit from the overflow of what we bring to him in worship. Whatever it is, whether it's um, whatever we bring to worship on any given Sunday, whether it's a song or a message or a testimony or a prayer or, or serving, like let, let's be mindful of the fact that none of us are the audience. Like th- th- this sermon, for example, or the songs that we're saying, it's not for you. It's not for me. God is the audience. It's for him. Even, even in, this, in the midst of this right now where it seems like, well, you know, you're preaching to us, so we're the, we're the audience thing. No, 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 that, that's, not, that's not what it's for, and that's not, like, I'm not here to try to impress you or wow, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm here to point you to God. And, and it's, this is not a passive moment as we look in God's word. This is a collective, collaborative, corporate time of worship where we are centering our, centering our hearts and our minds and our focus on what God has called us to do and to be. And yet we're the ones who benefit. We're the ones that, that benefit from our worship of God. See, here's the thing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul writes this. He says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I mean, sure, there are a bunch of byproducts to following God that are great, like your your family's going to be healthier, um, you're going to do better at your job, if you follow the principles of Jesus and how he lived and how you interact with people. All those things are great, and those are great benefits as well when it comes to living our lives of worship. But this whole idea of people who've been made in God's image, and we've broken that because of our sin, and yet he's remaking us into new creations, into what he wants us to be, is awesome. God is amazing, and he is awesome, and he is worthy of our celebration because of that. And it's our response to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul continues on in this same vein, and he says in in chapter uh, 4, verse 13, he says, It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. And since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. And all this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. See, I don't know what brought you here this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life. And maybe the first thing that you thought of this morning as the alarm clock went off isn't 
man, I can't wait to be able to celebrate and worship God this morning. Maybe that's not the first thing you thought of. And, and I'm not, like, that's not a condemnation. It's not always the first thing I thought of, I think of on a Sunday morning either. And yet that should be the inspiration for our, our worship, is that God is in the midst of our worship of him. He's doing something in us. And when we celebrate God intentionally, his intentions for us become worth celebrating. We become the people he's created us to be. He's, we become the church that he's given us to be. We reach the people he's called us to see. That no matter what might be going in the background of our lives, what's going in the forefront in our worship of him, man, is so much greater than anything we could possibly plan or imagine for ourselves. And he creates that for us in this space. One of the, um, one of the things as a kid that, is probably one of my favorite memories when it comes to Thanksgiving and holiday meals and stuff is my grandmother, my granny, um, would have a bowl of Kraft macaroni and cheese on the table. Now, when I say Kraft macaroni and cheese, I need you to understand, we're talking about the blue box, right? A macaroni, a processed cheese, right? At just a, like almost, not quite Easy Mac, you know, but about as low as you can go. How many are, wi- like, y- you could eat some Kraft macaroni and cheese, all right, so in college, like, I used to eat a whole box of that by myself, like, as a snack. I mean, that, it's good, good stuff. I kind of like macaroni and cheese like I like my cheesecake. Like, I'll eat the fake, you know, Jello no no-bake stuff. I'll eat the Kraft macaroni and cheese all the way to the high, you know, like New York cheesecake, you know, best homemade macaroni and cheese. And my granny could cook. She could make macaroni and cheese that would blow your socks off. And yet, for some reason, as a kid, she had this bowl of Kraft macaroni and cheese on the table for me. I didn't deserve that. I mean, I'm a kid. You never cook separate stuff for the kids, right? They have to eat what mom and dad fix for them, and that's how it should be. Are you with me? Yeah, all right, all right. Some of you are like, peanut butter jelly, you know, chicken nuggets. I'll tell you a story. Uh, not now, but if you want, want to hear about chicken nuggets and mashed potatoes, uh, somebody else's kid. It's, it's a great story. So ask me sometime sometime later. I didn't deserve that bowl of macaroni and cheese. I didn't have anything to bring. I was a kid. It's not like I was bringing other food there. It's not like I had any worth to bring to that gathering other than just being a kid and and eating and probably getting underfoot and all that kind of stuff. And yet she had created, even though I didn't deserve it, even though there wasn't any reason for me to have like my own special dish on that table, she made sure it was there because she loved me. And she wanted to share that experience with me, and it has impacted me for the rest of my life. And so when we come together and we worship God, and he is our focus, and we're the ones who benefit from it, what's crazy is it doesn't even stop there. Is it that same benefit that we receive in our worship to God extends to other people as well? That grace extends to the people that are connected to us, the friends and family that we invite to church with us. Because God allows us to benefit from our intentional worship of him, others benefit too. When I read back earlier in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 11, in that verse talks about how um, that we will rejoice in all the good that the Lord our God has given to us and our house and to you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. And here's what's, what's really cool about that is that our worship of God is not about what me and Chip and Adria and elders and volunteer ministry le- team leaders and volunteer leaders produce and do here. It's not just for us. 
the Levites, right? They were the priestly class. They were the ones that were taking care of the sacrificial system and the worship stuff and making sure the festivals were going well. It's not just for you. It's not just to benefit for you. It's also meant to benefit the sojourner in the land, the sojourner, the foreigner, the person who didn't really belong, the person who didn't have the same inheritance as everyone else. And so here's where we get to the part where we talk about worship and what it's for and why velocity is kind of the way that we are and what we think about when it comes to celebrating and planning this party. Is that we celebrate God because of what he's done for us and what he wants to do through us. And that means people who don't know him yet. And that means people we are expectant and, and plan for people who don't, maybe you're sitting here this morning and don't buy into this whole God thing, who don't believe in Jesus. And, and we try to design and plan our service with that in mind. One of the best ways that ever um, uh, heard this described or explained, I think, especially as we're talking about planning for meals and that kind of thing, is that plant, church planting is kind of like being a steakhouse that's trying to get PETA supporters to come eat at it. I mean, like, as a church, we're going to have steak. I mean, there are just certain things we're going to do. I mean, God is the focus, and he's the center of of our worship. It's still going to happen. But we are going to focus ourselves so much so on the love and truth and grace and mercy of God that we want to speak that and live that out and share that in such a way that even people who don't yet go to church or want God or believe in Jesus will see that, man, there's just this benefit. There's something different about worshiping this God and what the result of that in that life is that I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that table. At Velocity, we, we exist. Our vision is to accelerate faith journeys toward God, and our mission for doing that and accomplishing that is helping others find Jesus and love God. You might wonder, like, what, what is that? Why, why that formula? What does it look like that? Why does it look like that? Here's the thing. When we are focused on celebrating and living intentional lives of worship toward God, when we love him, we can't help but share Jesus with other people. You don't know who God is without Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so that we, sh- we share Jesus with other people. And the way that we share Jesus with other people is in relationship with them. We, we help them because that's what Jesus did. That's how he shared the message of God as he was involved in people's lives. He lived with them. He taught them. He helped, he helped them out. And so that's why we do what we do and how we worship the way that we worship. And so I, I just want to ask you to consider this week, you know, why, why do you come to church? Why did you come this morning? Like, what, what is it that, that has brought you here? How are you preparing yourself for worship? Like, is that a Sunday morning thing on your drive over and you stop yelling at the family, you know, <laughs> and then you, you finally get in? Because we have those. You know, Ray and I have mornings like that. Or is it something that you've planned for during the week, or during the month, or during the year? How are you preparing yourself for others to be able to worship and to, and to be here? Like what, does that, what does that preparation look like through your week and how you're interacting with those people, inviting them and, and being a part of their lives? And then asking yourself more than anything else, is God pleased with my worship? Because he's the one we're bringing the offering, our best, our first fruits to when we gather together and worship together. And when we answer those questions by planning for celebrating God personally, 
His plan for our lives will be something that we can celebrate and give others cause for celebration together. One of the things that we do every week at Velocity is we take communion, and we're about to do that right now. And I want to explain a little bit about that and how that ties into what we talked about this morning. Um, not only does it focus us in very specifically on what God has done for us through Jesus, but it also comes, it also asks us to be prepared when we come this morning. Um, there's this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in verses 27 and 32, and in this section, uh, and this is going to sound crazy if you're not familiar with this passage uh, in, in Scripture, but Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, and one of the things he's having to talk to them about is that when they were gathering together for communion, they had a spread. I mean, this was like a family meal that they came and gathered around. We do it a little bit differently um, uh, today and this morning, but they had, a, they had a big meal together, and one of the things that was happening is that there were people that were heading to the front of the line and they were greedy and they were eating everything themselves and there were people in the church that were starving to death. And you think, hey, that sounds extreme. Like that's, that's kind of one of those, those crazy things. And Paul says, before you come, examine yourself. Make sure you're eating and drinking in a worthy manner. Make sure that you understand what the point of this is in gathering together because when we do, we don't come together for ourselves and what we can feed on and what's going to benefit us, but we do it based on who God is and what he wants to do in and through us. So that's why we gather to celebrate and to worship, and that's how we plan for this party, and that's why we take communion, and we're going to do that right now. Let's pray. God, thank you for um, being our creator and our savior and being the the awesome that is worth our glory and honor and praise. And God, help us to, to see this, this pattern that you give in our lives of us receiving so much more than we have ever deserved through your son, Jesus, and that you indwell us with your Holy Spirit to empower us to continue to share that with other people and so that everything that we do should be with that in mind. It's for you. And we see how it benefits our lives, and so we share that with others. So as we celebrate, and as we worship, and as you bring us together, and as you do something, we just ask that um, you are pleased as we try to give our best to you. In Jesus' name we pray.